All right. I'm pretty sure. Are you going to do the intro? What intro? Welcome. Welcome back to another exciting edition of The Cardigan Files. Yes. And today you have Dana. And Sarah. And we are going to talk all sort of library literary stuff. Yes, we are. And it has been a while since we've been on air, but we are back. I'm excited. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. It's been too long. It has been too long. I really like wearing the headphones, actually. It is very cool. And listening to your voice through a mic. And changing the lights in the studio. Yeah. It's very fun. So today we are in NSS again, the Northern Sound System, and we'd just like to say that we're recording this on Ghana land and that we pay respects to uh, Aboriginal elders past, present and emerging. So, yes, it has been a while and it's been a while, I guess, because... Because we've had some big stuff happening. We have had some big stuff happening. And I've been away for a couple of weeks, so... I love how you say that, like you've just been in Melbourne or something and not, you know, another country. Yeah, it was another country. Yeah. For a couple of weeks, although that was still, that was, I've forgotten it already. You had like a proper adventure though. Yeah, I did. Like you you got pickpocketed in Germany, which I think is like the coolest travel story. Yeah, I haven't had that before, so that was, (laughs) that was interesting. Obviously, it's, it's unfortunate that it happened, but it's just, I think it's one of those cool stories that we'll get passed on. But it's just like, man, that was so good. Yeah. So good. And, and and now I think about it, it was just like, I was such an idiot. But, you know, these things happen. But now you can relate to all of the books where people get pickpocketed and you're True. like, how did they not know that? I know. I think in Australia we're, we're really lax on security and stuff. We really – because it doesn't – I mean, I suppose it happens. I don't, I don't think, think so much pickpocketing but more no. theft, yes, but not so much pickpockets. I feel like pickpocketing though is almost like an art form over there. Like yeah. I think there's a lot of people that yes. kind of they learn it from yes. you know their parents and they pass it down and it's almost like a street thing over there. Is yes. if, if you are homeless or whatever, it's like a skill that you learn to have. Yeah. Whereas I think here if you want to steal something, you just kind of grab it and run. It's not so much a like a no, like a skill set. It's just yep. a theft. So, you know, I can proudly say that I'm now one of the statistics Yes. that I was, you know, one of the 100 people who got their pockets picked in Berlin <laughs> on that particular day. Yeah. So I did get to visit the local police station, so that was interesting. What you else know. happened in Germany? Well, apart from that, you mean, apart from yeah. that exciting um, thing. Apart from the pinnacle of your trip. Um, Berlin. So went to Berlin, explored Berlin for a couple of weeks. Uh, Very big city, very spread out, very diverse. In a lot of ways, it reminded me of Adelaide in the diversity, like a a lot of different ethnic groups now living there, Mm. which was fantastic. The food was brilliant. I loved the food. And, you know. What kind of food are we talking about? Well, we took bits of everything. You know, there was one day it was like, I want real German food, mm. like sausage and sauerkraut, beer. Mm. And so, yeah, one day I did get it. But just, um, you know, there's small goods and things that we don't get 
you know, you just go to the supermarket and you can buy this stuff. So yeah, and you can buy alcohol <laughs> in the supermarket. Possibly not something we want to promote on the library. No, podcast. probably not. Yeah, <laughs> I just still love that fact, and I love. I mean, going to any country, I just love going to the supermarket and looking at the food and it's like, what is this? Yeah. And then just picking random stuff that you have no idea what it is and trying it. So is like, is everything there in German or do you see a lot of English? Oh, there was a lot of English. Yeah. But yeah, mostly German. Yeah. And yes, thankful to visit countries that at least use Roman script as (laughs) we do. That makes life a lot easier. When you went to the bookstores and stuff over there, did you see like a split in English and German books as well or is it predominantly German? It was predominantly German. They do have an English section, mm. which was... Is it kind of like how we have like a Chinese section or is it bigger than that? Oh, they're bigger. Yeah. Yeah. They had a big English section. Mm. But yeah, predominantly uh, German books in German. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I just think that's really cool. But, uh, yeah, I had a great time visiting the bookshops. Um, yeah, even though, yeah, I don't speak German. But one thing I do like going when I go to visit other countries is I like to see if I can find a book about, oh, well, about their famous authors, well, from their mm. famous authors, like trying to work out who they are mm-hmm. and, of course, try to find it in English and you know discover new authors that way Mm. so I did that this time Um, I bought a few books uh, you know which was about Germany one was about Germany uh, during World War Two and then I brought another one which was about living in Germany by someone who was not German but you know how they sort of promote well, not promote, but they talk about all the strange things mm. the Germans do. Yeah. So that was interesting too. I think it's really cool as well that they've kind of embraced their past in such a sensitive way as well. Like you were telling me about the um, – I've forgotten the, the word of them, but the stones in the ground. Steins. The, yeah, that yeah. word. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to attempt it because I will get it wrong. Yeah. But that's really fascinating. I. I just love the idea of these Stolpersteins. Mm. I just think it's such a brilliant way of, I guess, acknowledging the past and remembering. Mm. Um, you should probably tell our listeners what, what is. that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a Stolperstein really translates to stumbling block or stumbling stone. Mm. And it's a small plaque, a brass plaque, and a small as in... You know, it's only probably 10 centimetres square. Is it about the size of a standard brick? No, it's smaller than Smaller that. than a brick, okay. About a third of a brick. Mm-hmm. And it has a person's name on it. Um, the person, it commemorates. So each stone, it's an individual person and it needs to, it's acknowledging, um, well, the name commemorates a person who was taken by the Nazi regime and it's placed in the last place that this person lived as a free person. Mm-hmm. So it just has their name, their date of birth, where which camp they were taken to and the date that they were possibly killed on. Mm-hmm. And 
I love it. I mean, I, I love the concept of it, I should mm. say, in the fact that these are placed, you know, in the footpaths. Mm. So you can be totally oblivious to it. Mm. People can walk over it and never see them. Mm. But once you do see it, they really stand out. Yeah. Um, and I guess the, the constant room walking on it also polishes the brass as well and then people actually look after them. Mm. So you can find out more information about the individual person online. Mm. And this was actually created by a German artist and he's mm. been doing it now for 30 years. Oh, wow. So it's still an ongoing project that they're commemorating um, uh, victims of the Holocaust. And it's not just in Germany. You can find them all over Europe mm. and I believe actually even wider than Europe, they have them now as well. Mm. So, and yeah, I just find it fascinating. A really great way of remembering or, you know, just yeah. glossing over it. Mm. So I knew about these Stopelsteins before I went to Germany. So I was adamant I'd got to find one. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, just walking in the local neighbourhood where we were, we stayed, we didn't stay right in the city, but in a suburb and we found one and I got so excited. Aww. And then after that, I had to take a picture of every Stolperstein that we saw. How many did you end up finding? Actually, to be honest, not that many, probably about 20. That's still like a lot, considering you were worried about finding one. Like, True. Yeah. But I guess I was conscious of them, so I was mm. looking for them. So, mm. yeah. And yeah. then I lost my phone, so then my sister <laughs> had to take all the photographs. Yeah, then you got to experience it the old school. And way. then we're walking to us, <laughs> and I'm screaming out, "Stop, Stein! <laughs> Stop! Take a photo!" Did you get a camera? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just you didn't have your phone, so I was just like, you must have had to borrow somebody's. Yeah, that's why somebody I had else's to, camera. Like, Who's got a phone? You should have just gone and got like a disposable camera and gone proper old school. Yeah, I did think about it. Taken like film. that and film. Yeah. No one does film. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. It's like a whole art form. It's not. I've done done that. Okay. I've progressed. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. I'm going back there. <laughs> it is expensive like to do it. True. I used to film. develop my own film. That's so cool. Black and white. In like a dark room? Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, that's just like, yeah, now that it's so easy, everything on a, you know, mobile phone, would you actually want to go back and do that? Because it was very labour intensive. It is It is crazy to think about. I mean, I remember when I was growing up, we still had like a black and white TV, which is not a sign of how old I am. It's just that we lived in the country and didn't have a lot of money, so we didn't upgrade for, for a significant amount of time but I still remember that the cartoons that we used to watch were in black and white and I like I think oh that's kind of cute in like a vintage way but you wouldn't want to yeah. have black and white exclusively no forever that's no. no no I was you know I do have a good camera and I was very reluctant to, you know, once the digital cameras in came in, it was like, no, nah, I'm not going there. Mm. I prefer film. Yeah. And now it's like, I was an idiot. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I still have my DSLR and I still love taking pictures on that. And they're definitely better quality. And if I want to print them, they're a better option. But I think for convenience 
the finds are brilliant. Yeah, but um, I guess there was still something about, you know, taking the photographs and then mm. taking them to get developed. You still had to wait yeah. like a whole day sometimes. And you also just came out with so many stupid photos because yeah. you'd have disposable and you'd take – you wouldn't know what you'd taken. You yeah. just had to wait for them to get developed to know – and you'd get all these random photos that were just completely blurry or people were making weird expressions. It was just... Yes. It was a different different time. It was different. Yes. But it was fun. It is. It was. It's but a, the lot thing, of, a lot of change, though, over the last decade. True. And yet we still don't have hoverboards or any of the things that we thought would be technological advancements. Well... I haven't like, thought much about hoverboards, but you never know. I don't know if you did this in school, but we would be given like an assignment that was like, where do you, you know, like create like a futuristic tech thing for the, you know, the 2000s or 2010 or 2020 or whatever. Um, and they always featured, you know, like holograms or some kind of floating transport device and just really out there ideas. I don't think any of those are actually real yet. No, I'm sure they'll come. Probably for good reason. True. But change never seems like a good idea until it's changing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk bookies. Books, yes. What are you reading? What am I reading? Um, I'm still, I've just kind of finished one and I'm, waiting for some holds to come in. The last book that I read, though, was The Last Heir to Blackwood Library by Hester Fox, and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting to. Now, this is is this like our Blackwood Library in the hills? No. Oh, okay. No, this is a fictional... Well, the kind of... The story is basically that the Blackwood Library is a part of the Blackwood Abbey, um, and it is actually based on a real place, but not um, not really. It's like a, a fantasy take on a real place. Um, but it kind of starts off when uh, a young woman basically inherits this library. Obviously, you can kind of tell that from the title. You inherit? Oh, okay, not it. I keep thinking public libraries, but I suppose they're yeah. You can't library. inherit a library anymore. No. <laughs> well, you well, can you if you're can. super rich. Just not. Public libraries, I suppose. No, but th- this particular library was um, created by monks who worked in this abbey. So it was mostly like religious texts and stuff like that. Um, but it's written in a time where books weren't accessible by mainstream people. It was kind of reserved for men and the rich and yeah. um, people who quote unquote deserved um, access to education. Yeah, isn't that cool though? But you know, the same way of like photography has progressed. Yeah. And then, yes, you had books that were only for a select few, mm. but now we mass produce them and yeah. they're available to anyone. And they're sold everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not, well, yeah, sold, but you can still read for free. Yeah. It's very cool working in a library, isn't it? It is. Um, but this young lady it came from nothing, obviously. Um, Because that's how books usually work. Um, But she inherited this library and she went there and she loved books so much. And her she what she really wanted to do was take these books to the public. So she would take these books in a wheelbarrow, take them into the city, and she would give out these books on like a loan system. It's kind of you know never heard of before. Everyone was very much against it. 
the whole community um the community loved it like all of the kind of poorer people who'd never had access loved it but um there was a lot of a lot of um I'm not really good with my words today a lot of, a lot of pushback from kind of the richer yeah. society members um who didn't think that these people should be reading at all um but basically the library is kind of cursed and she doesn't really believe that it's cursed because who believes that it's cursed but then she kind of loans out these books and the things that the books are about start happening so like one was about like a beekeeper that got attacked and then the person who borrowed it got attacked by bees and all these kind of weird coincidence things started happening from these books that she was loaning out to these poor people and as the book kind of goes on she gets propositioned by this young man who's from high society and kind of woos her and she kind of starts losing her memory but from the book the book you kind of can't quite tell if she's crazy or if she is losing her memory or if they're tricking her it's kind of it's you kind of figure it out as you go with the book which I really like um you kind of figure it out as she does and there's all of these um people that work at the at the abbey that basically try to prevent her from accessing the library at all and it's a whole thing um but was she crazy no um basically the library has this book that kind of drains the person who owns it which is why there's been so many heirs of this particular library um because the book basically feeds off of i don't even remember how it works but it works um (laughs) yeah and then it was basically like a kind of a power struggle between society and um the people and she ended up winning and the bad guys it was it was a really fun read like you could kind of tell where it was going to go but it was just a really nice fun fantasy filled but still with kind of a historical element of class and society and the way that books have kind of been used over the years um and I think what what people can do with power was kind of the main theme of the book but it was very enjoyable. If you like, it was this fantasy? Yeah, I can see your disdain from here. Yeah. Don't like it, but it was actually based on a real, a real story. Yeah. Well, of course not. It's fantasy. No. Well, the abbey and the library was real, and oh. the library was rumored to have a curse um, because there was a monk that lived there, and I don't really understand why. Like, I assume there was some kind of religious reason behind it, but the monk basically got enclosed in a four-wall library and it kind of had a slot so people would go there and ask him a question and he would give them the answer mm-hmm. like it wasn't a confessional it was like a library like google um, it was like google with a monk <laughs> in the dark ages um but he ended up dying in there which i imagine is quite easy to do when you're in a four-wall <laughs> cell yeah um and basically i think the book that ended up being cursed was the one that he'd been writing all of this information into over the years. Yeah. I'm describing it really badly, but if you like fantasy and libraries and books and power struggles and it's fun, it's good. Yeah, but when you read fantasy... Yes. I mean, the thing I don't like about fantasy is... That it's fantasy? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's not real. But I think think we're two different types of readers because I think you read books a lot of the time for information and you want to learn more about 
different cultures and different things. Whereas I think I more read because I like the distraction and I like to just be immersed in this world that is very obviously not a real world situation. I just like to read a book beginning and end. But then how do you take it seriously if it's not, you know, it's not real? You're not that, supposed to take it seriously. Yeah, but at least when you're reading novels, not fantasy, you can... But I, I can see it actually happening. I think I actually freaked you out when I was reading this book because I was staying at your house when I was reading this book and I picked it up and I read it beginning to end essentially in a, in a night and you were just staring at me the whole time being like, how are you reading this quickly? Like, why are you reading it this fast? And I think that's probably because of the difference in what we read is because I just I just want to read beginning to end and get lost in it. And I think you're a little bit more, you'll read and you'll think and you'll read and you'll think in your approach. Well, not always. Not always. If it's, I can read a book pretty much nonstop, um, not probably in a day, <laughs> but it's more about I need to know what happens. They're more the um, crime books type of thing. Yeah. I did read, I read another book called Wild Place by Christian White, which I didn't really love but fantasy no it's kind of more of like a detective you know like kid goes missing um i don't know i don't know how to talk about it without ruining the ending which i'm not gonna do but you kind of you have this central character who you kind of see the entire book as a good guy who at the end is definitely not a good guy, but because you've seen him as the, you know, the core character and you've kind of related to him the entire way through the book, it becomes a twist, but it's just a twist that, I don't know, I didn't think was necessary. But, like, in saying that, I just read Tender as the Flesh and I've been told that we're not allowed to talk too much about death on this podcast, so I'm not going to talk too much about that book because it is... Very graphic and very um, dystopian and very uh, horrific. See, I don't like dystopian either. I love dystopian. No, I find that. It's so good. No, um, no. They what, really bother me. Even The because, Handmaid's Tale? Yes, even that one. No, I find them really disturbing because I can picture them as being real yeah that's what's fun about them that's not fun it's totally fun i watched the handmaid's tale handmaiden's tale the first series the book was better anyway i well i would never read the book but i watched the series and i thought it was really good Mm. like it certainly got my attention and i watched it Mm. um you know pretty much binge watched it Mm. But by the end of that, it's like, I can't watch anymore. Mm. And I just found it really disturbing because I could see this actually happening. Yeah. In real life. And it's like, I can't do it. I think the difference between The Handmaid's Tale and Tender Tender as a Flesh is that in The Handmaid's Tale, you kind of have a character that's rebelling against the central premise of this awful world. And you kind of, you have somebody who knows that it's not right and it's not okay and is kind of actively trying to get out and you know that there's people on the outside that also know that this world doesn't make sense and it's not okay. 
Whereas with Tender is the Flesh, everyone is just converted to this plot and you have this incredibly milk toast, like annoyingly milk toast central character who is kind of like, oh, I don't know if this is right, but I'm not going to do anything about it um, kind of guy. And the major plot twist at the end, it I, I can't say what the twist is without ruining, ruining it, but what I will say is if the twist doesn't happen, his entire worldview is shattered and there's no way for him to move past that because if he takes any other action other than what he does, he would have to completely abandon everything that he's believed throughout the entire book. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I just hated it because I was like, it, it is absolutely horrific. Like, if you don't know Tender is the Flesh, it's basically um, they found out that animals had this um, disease that would kill humans. Um, and so instead of eating meat, they <gasps> ate people. People. Um, people that had been bred, so they weren't... Oh, God, how can you read this? It was absolutely awful. How can someone write this? Because half of our workplace read it and were like, you have to read this, you have to read this. And so I read it and I was like, why? Why did I read this? And I'm a vegetarian, so I struggle with the idea of eating meat, let alone... Anyway, I said we weren't going to talk about it too much death and I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, so we're not going to talk about that. That's terrible. But the the central point, I just, I really need a strong character. Like I need for it to have a really solid world and I need the character to be not necessarily good. Like I'm fine with them not being morally good, but they need to have like a belief system. Like they need to know what they're doing in the world. And this character didn't. He just went through life without any real emotional tie to anything like it, it I just felt bored despite the fact that it was so graphic and so awful it's like how am I bored and it you was know, because nothing happened you know I was thinking the other day about the book where the crawdads sing yes and yeah we've seen we've read both read, read that yeah. we talked about that one yeah and you know I thought you know it was an interesting book and I thought okay but you know why does the the main character whose name I can't remember Kaya Kaya why okay she uh, you know was pretty much by herself but then you know she was great at artwork Mm. and then she could name all the animals and creatures and talk about biology and stuff yeah and it's like okay but that's not real (laughs) I mean, she yeah. may have been good at art, yes, but where are the ordinary people, the people who are just mediocre at everything? I did kind of wonder how she learnt all of the scientific stuff. Like, I know that in the book her, I can't remember the guy, but the guy that teaches her to read and write gives her the biology books because that's kind of his interest. Yeah, but come on. But Nine out of ten people are just But gonna... how do you become smarter than books without any anybody, you know? Yeah, see, it's not real. But I, the where the crawdad sing at least, it was she had some kind of character to her, which I think. Yeah, but why can't she just be a everyday <laughs> person and not learn to read and you know not be smart and good at something? Because that wouldn't be as fun of a book. I know. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> where I'm going with this. It has been a while. <laughs> I guess I want books to be real, you know, really relatable. 
Yeah. And that one I couldn't relate to because it's like, yeah, right, of course she's good at art. Yeah. And then has, you know, just happens to get a publisher and earn her living from creating these books. Yeah, sure, that never happens. Yeah. I think, you know, probably the bigger plot twist was that she got away with murder, but, you know. She didn't. She didn't. She didn't. You still don't believe that she killed him. No. She wouldn't. Still, still going with that one. <laughs> okay, she didn't. I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure one way or the other. I want to believe that she didn't. She didn't. But I also just want to believe that she got away with it if she did. She didn't do it. It's so sad. I can't go there. What about you? What have you been reading? You're you're reading an insane amount of books at the moment. Oh no, I'm not actually. But no. my okay. goal this year, I set the goal of thirty two books to mm-hmm. read, and I'm up to thirty three. I'm so proud of you. That's I so know. good. Um, For context, how many did you read last year? I didn't count last year. Oh, I don't usually count how many. But because know. other people were at work were counting how many books they read, I decided I'd do it this year. So I've done, met my goal and I will throw in a couple more by the end of the year, I think. Because at the moment I'm currently reading or listening to four books. Okay, I'm listening to one book. Okay. (laughs) And reading three books. Mm. And, yeah, I've got to stop doing this. Okay, the the three books are pretty much the same. They're nonfiction, and while I love this topic, I don't. I always start reading them and never finish them. Mm. And you know, you, you read the back, and it's like, oh my god, I got to read this. I got to know how they did it. And okay, the books I read are pretty much people doing their family history. Mm. You know, they discover something. And the books are usually about the process of them doing the family history and what they discover. So two of the books I'm reading are people of Jewish heritage. One, um, one actually, she her parents just said, you know, the family didn't make it. And then one day she Googled her grandparents' names and a Stolperstein turned up. Oh, and the Stolperstein was laid five days before she actually found it. Oh. And so she got in contact with the person who laid the Stolperstein because as far as she believed that she was the only descendant. Anyway, so it's about the story of her learning more about the family history. Mm. And the other, the other book is also a, a Jewish person who has been gifted a history book Mm. I mean like a family history book Mm. and she's been told she can't read it Um, but then she does obviously what else are you gonna do yeah so I love them but I don't know I start reading them and then just start another book Mm. and the the other book I'm reading is actually um, one about in Australia tracing their Chinese heritage so from actually pre-gold rush, so it was quite early on, mm. and that's really interesting too. I just I don't understand how you read multiple books at one time because I just can't do that. I need to read beginning to end before I can pick up another book. But you, you you've always got a few on the go. Only if it's non-fiction, I think. Yeah, actually, you read a lot more non-fiction than I do. 
Yeah, because if, it's, a, lot more, if I mean, it's I a novel, I won't mix them up. I might listen to one and read one. Yeah. So have two on the go, but not more than that. I'm not like I like audiobooks, but I don't like audiobooks if it's the first time that I'm reading it, oh. which I think is weird. Like I like listening to books that I have previously read, but See? I don't really oh. like listening to new books on audio. And I will very rarely read a book twice. Oh. <laughs> or listen to it. Fair enough. I just won't do it. So, and I'm really thankful I've got a phone again. Yes, you are. And so I'm back to audiobooks. I love audiobooks. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, even when I was really little, my mum used to get, like, the Harry Potter books and the Enid Blyton books and um, a lot, a lot of kind of older books on cassette so when we would go like on road trips or whatever um I would sit in the back with my little cassette player and listen to to books and even when we were at home um she used to set up like a tent in the um in the living room and we'd listen to the famous five records and I'd pretend that I was camping while I listened to the books but it it was actually really really sweet because I found this slip, well, she found this slip and showed it to me, but it was like a slip that you fill out to put something in, um, like in like a fax kind of thing, like you would write it and then it would get sent as a fax. Um, and it was from when I was like a newborn, like a little baby, and, and it basically said um, that she couldn't get me to stop crying unless she read to me. <laughs> so I think very, very early on um, – she started getting me onto audiobooks because it was the only way that I, because I had colic, by the way, I wasn't just whiny. Well, I was, but you know, I would just cry like a lot. Um, and yeah, the the first thing she could do to get me to calm down was not singing or lullabies or rocking or hugs. It was putting on books for me to listen to. It's good. Yeah. I just thought it was very cool because it's obviously followed me through my entire life, but it's just weird that it was that young before I would reasonably have been able to understand what was actually being said. But it's cool that we have that technology now too. Yeah. I keep thinking, you know, 50 years ago you'd actually have to read to the child. Well, how long have vinyls been out though? Because radio plays and stuff. Oh, okay, 100 years ago. Okay. 150 years ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's also interesting that my what I listen to is – Usually Australian literature mm. that I won't read, but I'll listen to it. Yeah. Like I, I love the stories, but I can't be bothered reading it, if that makes sense. I think, I don't know, I think those kind of stories, because they're coming from people, it makes sense to listen to them from people. Or not. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're giving me a weird look at the moment. <laughs> I mean, they're from like you, like you want to listen to people telling their own story instead of no, just no, reading. No, no, but not non-fiction. These are fiction. Oh, okay. These, yeah. We we have very different book tastes. We do. So, like, I, I'm listening to The Code Breakers at the moment, which is set in World War Two in Queensland, about female. What percentage of the books that you've read this year have been about World War Two in some way? <laughs> because it seems like a lot of the books that you read are from World War Two. That would be correct, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. Just uh, a lot. I'll I'll keep stats next year, maybe. I'm not asking genuinely. It's, it, just, it's either... It'll be high. I feel like it'll be like 70, 80%. Okay, either war-related or crime that's in the Scandinavian country. <laughs> You've been, like, a few years ago, Scandinavian crime was pretty much exclusively your reading material, though. And I think well, the last... still pretty much is... Well, I think you've broadened a bit, though. Well, only because it's getting harder to <laughs> to find ones that you I've done read. a pretty good backlog of reading Scandinavian crime. So until the authors bring out new books, mm. I'm stuffed. That's pretty much where I'm at with Neil Gaiman. But I have also reread a lot of his books in the last year or two. So See, that's just time wasted. No, you've not. read them. Read something new. Yeah, but... Like a good book, you can't just read it once because yes, you, you, you miss things and then you read it again and you're like, oh, no, there's something I didn't pick up the first time. How can you say no if you've never done it? Because I won't do it. Fair enough. I won't watch <laughs> movies again. Very rarely will I watch a movie twice. Surely, see, I'm the complete opposite. But I, there are movies I love. I think they're great, fantastic, but I won't watch them again. I don't, I genuinely don't understand <laughs> that. <laughs> Well, I've seen it. I know the story. There's no point. <laughs> yeah, but don't you have like a comfort show that you just you put on and you've seen it 300 times and that's no. why you know? I can't imagine anything worse, actually. Okay. <laughs> it's like, well, I know what happens. Yeah. How is that comforting? Because then you can do something else while you watch it. Well, what's the point of that? Watch something new. Entertainment? Watch something new. Yeah, but like if I'm sewing, I don't want to watch something new because I'll miss the plot lines. Then you put some comedy show on where it doesn't really matter if you miss a bit. No, I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I like it. I think it's like Friends. Like you've just, you've got like your movies that you watch all the time. Like it's just a, no, okay. No. No. I really love us. We're just so different. I even went... Oh, recently I was I was looking at the DVDs I have in my possession. So I have a total of I think less than ten oh. DVDs that I've purchased. Well, that makes sense if you never watch them again. Exactly, it's and it's like, why did I buy these? They still got the wrappers on it. I mean, I buy it because it's like, oh, this was really good, but I won't watch it again. Well, I mean, I think some things you just buy because they look pretty on a shelf. Like yeah, I own they're about... They're in a drawer. You okay. can't see them. All right. Well, that's... Why would I put DVDs? I have about seven copies of Ocean at the End of the Lane and it's not because I'm going to read all seven copies of Ocean at the End of the Lane. Well, it's the same book. Yes. And they're all beautiful. <laughs> but it's the same book. I know, but they're all different and they're all pretty. They're not different. Just the cover's different. Yeah. That's and not... some of them have author's notes. Okay. <laughs> I love them. I'm so excited for my new house and to have a library because I feel like I'm just I'm just gonna have like a wall. The same to... book. Yeah. On the wall. Yeah. In yeah. Yeah. And all you see is the spine. So you're gonna have ten different spines. Yeah. Of the same title. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. What are you not getting about this? <laughs> but some of them have like different artwork or different people have designed the covers or they have different Yeah, but you don't sit and look at the cover of a book yes i do no you don't yes i do why because they're pretty yeah but okay if it's that pretty f- frame it the spot the cover not 
the whole book. Why would I want to destroy the book? Because the cover's pretty. Okay, photocopy the cover and frame the cover. That would be a copyright violation. No, it wouldn't. Yes, it would. It's not 10% of the book. Yeah, but it's not 10% of the... I'm pretty sure the artist is different. Well, Artwork not... is under different. But you're not selling the book. You just... I'm just destroying it to put it on my wall instead you're of not... just keeping it on the shelf where it belongs to look pretty and bring me joy and happiness every time I pull it off the shelf and, and look Yeah, how often book. do you do that? I don't know, whenever I'm sad. See, but no. No, because I just, I get like a little rug and I just sit next to my bookshelf and I read. Look at the covers. Yeah, I reorganize it and I pull them out and I'll just read like a little bit of the book and I'll be like, oh, this book. Like, I love this book. Okay, to all of our listeners out there, (laughs) we'd love it if you'd communicate who's the strange one in the podcast. That's not fair. Okay, yes, it is. Does anyone do what Sarah does? Okay. Okay, we are probably extreme versions of each other, aren't we? (laughs) We are, but like, but to be fair, you have a big bookshelf at home. Yeah, but it's non-fiction. (laughs) I don't get the difference. (laughs) And I don't have five copies of the same book. No, but you you do collect books just in a different, you just don't necessarily have an entire shelf of Neil Gaiman. No, I've got very few non-fiction books yeah the and the books i do have have are mainly gifts yeah you have a lot of special books yes non-fiction which i don't read from cover to cover but i know they're there if i need some information yeah but you also have like moomin and cute stuff i've got one moomin book is that the one that i gave you the one you gave me which i haven't read yet which I thought you had a has a really nice cover. No. no. Oh, okay. Nope. All right then. Yeah. This seems to be a good so place to wrap up the podcast. It does, doesn't it? But yeah. I would love to hear from other people. Yes. It's like, what do you do? Yeah. Do you like collecting, or do you like not read it once and then forget yeah. about it? I don't forget about them. I just don't. I you need know, to possess it. I saw a meme the other day, which like. I don't know, I just found it a bit funny. Um, and it said, I don't know what happened to the part of my brain that used to have to remember phone numbers. It's true. And I was just like, I don't know either, but I'm not sure that it's still there. That is true. Yeah. You know, you realise how important your phone is when you <laughs> use it. Yeah. Because it's like, I can't call anyone. The only phone number I know is my own. Yeah. And what's the point of that? Yeah, I I wrote down – I have, like, an address book at home that I wrote down all my important numbers in. Yeah. Because I'm slightly scared that some of them won't give me their number again. (laughs) (laughs) No, they would. I send a little too many memes. But at the same time, it's like, I can't call anyone. No. No, and you kind of forget how much you use your phone for as well. Like, because it's not just, you know, no. for calling and messaging. It's, you know, for photos and for it's like take... my banking and things. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I don't know my <clears throat> bank account. And listening to music and just yeah. entertainment. Audiobooks. Calculator. My podcast. My fitness app. My photos. Just everything. My woody game. Pokemon Go. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, maybe it is time to wrap it up. Yes, thank you guys for listening again. Um, yeah, we'd yeah. love to hear your thoughts. I think next time I'll read a proper book. Yes, we should both read things that don't involve death and murder and um, 
Yeah, we should read the same book again. No, I reckon. No, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no. No, because we'll never agree on a book that we both probably would want to read. I think I would be open-minded yeah, if not. you if you told me. No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> not even if you get to no, it. Life's too short. I'm not. You know, I've gone past the thing where I'll try things just for the sake of trying them. I know what I like, what I don't like. Yeah, but why can't I read a book that you like and then we can talk about it? Oh, we could do that. Yeah. Okay. That sounds. Funny. It just has to be your decision. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Okay, until next time when we read a book that I like. Yes. You've been listening to The Cardigan Files. All right. Bye. Bye.